G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In 1 John chapter 1, we read these words that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now many don't realize it, but this is probably a reference to when we first came to Christ because it goes on to say that there are some that were even denying the presence of sin. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins and we look to the blood of Jesus and step into the light of God, we have forgiveness of sins and we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Now, John says this, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's faithful because he said he would and he will. But he's also just because if God ever judges us for our sins, having already judged them on Christ at the cross, he would be unjust. Dear friend, if you confess your sin and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Hello, Phil's my name and today author and pastor Ken Legg and myself are talking about God's way of sanctification. Yesterday we looked at the fact that God's program for dealing with our sin involves much more than just forgiveness. It actually involves giving us the power over sin so as to be free from its dominion in this life. And then, of course, one day we'll even be delivered from the presence of sin. Ken, won't that be fantastic when that happens? Bring it on, I say. (laughs) In the meantime, of course, uh, yesterday we talked about the fact that we are uh, not, though we're not under the dominion of sin, we still actually do sin. And when that happens... We talked of this concept yesterday of falling forwards into God's mercy rather than falling backwards by withdrawing from God when it does happen. Yeah, I think when it comes to dealing with people who fail, we tend to bring God down to our level and we, we make him a little bit like us. You know, we, we can be merciless at times with the fallen. Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a sense of um, uh, trying to be just, if you like, with those who, who fall. You know, we say, well, they had their chance, they blew it. Fair enough. You know, that's fair. We gave them a chance. They blew it. One strike and you're out. Well, thankfully, God doesn't do that. You know, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And uh, the the beauty of that, though, is that, you know, God brings a positive out of it. You know, I, I have this saying that he turns our mess into his message. Now, you take, for example, Peter. Uh, it was a real mess when he denied the law. That was a serious thing, you know, to deny even any association with Jesus. Mm. But Jesus said to him before, he said, look, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when, note that word, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In other words, once you've tasted this mercy of God, you've got something to share with others. Uh, you'll be a, a little bit more merciful to others that you deal with, you know. It's a totally different perspective because we tend to think, you know, judge ourselves harshly, judge yeah. other people harshly for for ours and their failures. Yeah. When you realise that he turns our mess into his message, yeah, it's completely different. I think that's a good point, uh, Phil. We do we do tend to judge others by the standard that we 
we we judge ourselves. We're tough on ourselves, and we, we we can be tough on others. But we need really God's heart and and to understand God's mercy in all this. You know, I guess David would be another prime example too, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, he mucked up big time, didn't he? You know, you can put him down as a murderer and as an adulterer <laughs> under the law, twice dead. You know, he yeah. he missed the you know capital punishment offences twice over. But this is what he said in his prayer of uh, repentance. He said, "Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit." Then. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Mm. In other words, I'll be a different man. I'll, I'll go out of this with a message that I never had before, at least not firsthand. You know, I'll have something that I can share that reflects your true heart of mercy. Mm, I guess it's only when we actually come to know that, that heart of mercy, his unconditional love towards us, that we will actually fall forward when we fail rather than backwards. And I guess you're not saying that because God's because of God's mercy, that we can't just go around living in sin, taking it for granted, so to speak. You know, let's continue in sin so that grace may abound, as some people may think. No, that's right, Phil. Uh, grace is never an excuse for sin. In fact, grace is the only thing that can get us out of sin. You know, Paul says sin will not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under law, but you're under grace. Mm. So grace is God's ability in the place of our inability. And uh, so because of that, we will not continue in sin but some people think that you can um, you know scare people out of their sin use guilt use fear and so on actually God uses love and grace and mercy uh, let me just read to you what Paul said about himself and about others okay. in uh, his letter to Titus he said we that's himself we ourselves were once foolish disobedient deceived serving various lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy hateful and hating one another but then he says this, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appear towards man, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And he goes on to talk about the mercy and the grace of God. And so it's having seen the goodness of God. You know, Paul says in another place, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Mm. Uh, we, we often try to come on heavy and scare people and warn them and threaten them and, and so on. But uh, fear doesn't really produce that desired result. It's the love of God that melts us and draws us to him so that we might find grace. There's other versions that use the word kindness. It's your kindness that leads us yeah. to repentance. You know, And often, how, how much do we show kindness to somebody who's fallen? Yeah. Now, here's a good question. You know, I mean, okay, it's a given that we do sin, that we will sin. Yep. Um, here's a good question. Why? <laughs> Why do we sin? Now, I believe that... Um, you know, when we look at this, we see that we all have legitimate needs and we're tempted to have those needs met through the resources of the world, the flesh and the devil instead of through Christ. So every temptation, if you like, Phil, is a call to live independently of God. Mm. And usually our sin is what we run to to find some comfort and relief during difficult times. That's where we went before we were Christians. That was like our refuge. It was a place where we want, went and got some pleasure or whatever and so there's this sort of learned behavior that keeps sending us back to those resources to find some kind of comfort. I guess we see that very practically in alcohol or, or other things that people will run to as kind of a coping mechanism. I guess it's the same thing, sin generally. We're comfortable with it. It becomes a bit of an idol, you might say, in biblical terms. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good um, analogy, Phil, because let me just uh, give a couple of illustrations here. Do you remember when uh, Jacob went down to um, find his wife, Rachel, and yeah. uh, left the brother, her brother that was Laban and came back to their homeland? The Bible says that when they came out, Rachel took some of the household idols with her. She hid them. I mean, Jacob wasn't aware of it, but she hid them in the stuff that she brought out. Yep. And uh, why did she do that? Well, she took her idols with her 
when she left the father's household, just in case Jacob's God was not sufficient, mm. just in case there was a, a lack there. I mean, Israel did the same thing, actually, when you read it. When they came out of Egypt, they brought idols with them. That, that comes out later on in the Bible. They brought some of the Egyptian idols and gods out with them. Why did they do that? Just in case God failed them. And is it true that we might do the same thing, that we bring those things in our lives with us, you know, yeah. in our Christian life, just in case? That's yeah. exactly what we do. We, we bring that stuff over into the Christian life that we've been used to running to, uh, just in case God isn't quite enough for us. You know, I mean, some people, it's drugs, others it's booze, porn, sex, shopping, some of the, uh, you know, other sort of more respectable idols that we turn to, TV, yeah. um, work, ministry, food, clothes, internet, so on and so on. We, we, we've got a place that we run to instead of running to God. Yeah. And so it's, if you like, you, you can use the term, and some have used the term, it's a coping mechanism. Now, all these things are legitimate. I mean, these, these things are not outlawed or forbidden in the Bible. They're legitimate in themselves, but they can become inordinate desires when they're pursued sinfully or when they take the place of God. Now, what did God say to Israel to do with their idols when they came out of Egypt, when, when they were discovered to have idols, even when they got into the promised land, he said, you crush them, yeah, you grind them. them to powder, yeah. and you just you know just throw them to the wind, get rid of them. And, and, and there's a time in our lives when we have to do that too, where we have to say, no longer am I going to run to these things to find consolation, to find refuge, to find comfort. I'm going to go to God. He will be sufficient. I believe that God is all I need in my moment of need, my moment of emptiness and trial, I'll go to God. Our series this week is on God's way of sanctification and we'll have more for you tomorrow. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book This Is The Life, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.